the wrong side of the red line, Dallas Stars podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. Well, yesterday, around 1 o'clock, I sent you a text, Ryan, that I believe was something along the lines that if the Stars get the top three pick, we'll podcast. Otherwise, screw it, we're not doing anything. And we're recording a podcast right now on a Saturday night. So what does that mean? Breaking news. The Dallas Stars are selecting third in the NHL entry draft. Which is a, uh, you know what? This is the highest pick the Stars will have ever had in the Dallas Stars era. Mike Madonna was pick number one, obviously, overall, but that was when they were the Minnesota North Stars. Um, I believe the highest pick the Stars ever had in Dallas was in 95, uh, 96 when they picked fifth overall. So I know we've talked before how it's not the deep draft and there's not the generational talent, but between Ken Hitchcock getting hired and impressing us in his opening press conference and the stars jumping up from, uh, I mean, it wasn't nearly as high as the jump as Philly made. I think Philly, uh, Philly jumped from, what, 14th to 12th maybe, I think? I think it was but, 13th, I want to say. Yeah, 13th to 2nd for Philly, something like that. I mean... Either way, Stars made a nice jump, and uh, I can't be upset with this. I mean, them them getting in the top three. This is a uh, this 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 kind of goes through a nice stretch of the off seasons. Actually, looked in the Stars' favor so far after what's been a very what was a very difficult season. Yeah how um, how big does the choice to not stay all in and go for it look now for Jim Nill and the Stars? Because you go yeah. from having an eighth pick where it's, you know, we all know how this goes. The Stars mm-hmm. take someone and he ends up being a bust. Right? That's an oversimplification of it. But I, mm-hmm. when I think eighth overall, I think Scott Glennie, and that just brings back bad memories. But now mm-hmm. you're looking at a point where the Stars, it's a lot harder to screw up a third overall pick than it is an eighth overall pick. So I'm, I, yeah, you, this is, there's a lot of this momentum's obviously trending in the Stars' favor right now. And I had another point that I was going to make, and I don't remember what. It, oh, it wasn't even a point. It was just like because I'm, I'm sitting here. I was I've been sitting here trying to figure out because I saw that Sportsnet was starting their shindig with it at seven thirty, and I was trying to figure out where to watch it, and I couldn't find it. So I'm sitting here getting pissed, and then I'm like, oh, they're going to show up on NBC before the Caps game starts. So I was sitting there watching it, and then I see Philly come up, and I'm like, oh crap, that's not good news. And then mm-hmm. then obviously it skips Dallas and goes to Detroit, and I think I almost spiked my iPad in excitement. You know what? I've always I've always claimed Rich Peverly will be a future NHL GM, but I just I think this is one of those this is one of those things, and I know Rich had nothing to do with. Maybe I mean Rich is just lucky in this respect. Maybe he's he's lucky at, at lotteries. Um, but I just thought tonight was a wonderful example of one of those things when someday when some NHL team names Rich Peverly their general manager, they'll show like a clip of him and they'll point out that what he's done with Dallas prospects. And I thought it was really cool that he, of all people, was the one to represent Dallas at this event tonight. You want to talk about lottery ball specialist Taylor Hall, the GOAT, putting on Twitter, you- officially adding yes. NHL lottery ball specialist to my hockey resume. That poor you know guy... What? That poor guy, if he's the one thing that he's going to be known for in his NHL career is being on a team that had, this is going to be the third first overall pick that a team that he's played on has is going to have? Because he was the first of the three straight in Edmonton, correct? Then yeah. they went Yakupov and Nuge right after him. I don't think it was yeah. 
Yeah, so this will be the third well, one. I mean, well, I mean, technically, he was on the team that McDavid was when McDavid was the first. Oh shit! Player. You're right. This will be the <laughs> fourth. Well, yeah, yeah. So he, this will be the fourth time that he played for a team that ended up getting the number one overall pick. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god, that's so, that's t- ghastly. T- that is ghastly. <laughs> Taylor Hall is the winner or the loser of the night, if depending on how you... You know, I give him credit for owning it on Twitter. I give him credit for doing that. That's... But I it's was, not even uh, like the Devils were bad, so it's not like it was one of those no, things no, no. where they were... Fi- they were well, well, I guess they were at the fifth. They were, yeah. Never mind. I was thinking of... Never mind. Yeah. They were still kind of bad, but they. it's not like they were. They had the second best odds or whatever. It, yeah. But Taylor Hall is the winner or loser of the night, and then I, I think and then from a star's perspective... I thought it was just so cool that Rich Peverly was there just because I know all the work he's put in and the strides he's made as an off-ice uh, and management side for the Stars, which a lot of people don't realize what he's done. Um, maybe you have. Maybe you've read some of the things I've wrote about him and things like that. But he's had a big impact on prospects. And so whoever this third pick is going to be, they're going to work closely with Rich Peverly. So I thought that was kind of neat. Um and you know what? I know this isn't, there's not the generational talent, quote-unquote, in this draft, but the third pick, you're getting a good player. So the past five third overall picks, you're looking at Pierre-Luc Dubois, Dylan Strome, Leon Dreisaitl, Jonathan Druin, and Alex Galchenyuk. That's a pretty good right. group. And if we're being completely honest in this draft, I would, if I'm doing this from a doubt we're doing this from a dallas perspective but if i'm dallas i honestly would rather have the third overall pick in this draft because as enticing as it would be to have a one two down the middle of sagan and nolan patrick or nico heischer for the next mm-hmm. 10 15 years or assuming sagan resigns that's a, another rabbit hole to go down this is a team that doesn't need a center they need a defenseman well, this and this is you have guys it's going to be hard but everything I've read about this draft is you have there's going to be a plethora of potentially really good defensemen available and you have your pick of because you I think it's a foregone conclusion that Patrick and Heesher are going one two so you are now in a position where you will have the first shot at grabbing who you think is going to be the best defenseman in this class and if, and if you're in those first two picks, you have to go best available. You have no choice in this draft. You have to go Patrick or Heischer in the first two picks. Now, if you get now in the third pick, the Stars have by far the most interesting pick in the draft right now. Um, I think it's, I know a lot of people have said they're split on their draft boards between Heischer and Nolan, but we all know, but I think we all have a feeling in our head, Nolan Patrick's going to go one, Nico Heischer's going to go second, and if anything, they'll flip-flop. Either way, those are going to go one-two. We all kind of know that in our head right now. Now, Dallas, you have a couple good options. I think, um, I know there's the there's the defenseman out of Finland, uh, uh, Miro Heiskanen, or I think, I think is, uh, is I think Heiskanen, I think is how you pronounce his name. I'm going to have to learn how to pronounce all these names since I didn't plan on having to preview the top five picks this year. <laughs> but, uh, Heiskanen from uh, plays in Finland is uh, is an option there. If you're looking at Owen Tippett, who plays in uh, Misaga in the Misaga Steelheads in the OHL, good strong right wing. And we've t- what have we talked about the Stars? We've talked about they need to have long term right wing depth. So Owen Tippett could fit that role at three there. Um, you had a couple other centers who could be in the mix, but then you have. Uh, I think it's uh, Timothy Lilligren uh, or Lilgren. Yes. I know I'm butchering the last name, but the, the Swedish kid um, who could be in a good spot. And then 
Um, I think there's another, there's a couple other good defensemen. There's a I think kid, kid named uh, Kale Maker. Uh, yes. Who you have, who you could look at. And then you have also, you also have the centers you could look at. If, if there is, if you go to your draft board and you say, we, the, there's a clear, we have to go say Cody Glass or Velarde or uh, Casey Middlestad. And I don't think, I don't think you go that route. I think the stars, my gut says they go with a D or maybe even Owen Tippett. And obviously, we're still two months away from this now, but they're going to be able to fill a position of need. And you're looking at a spot where you're drafting where this guy should be and could be an NHL player in two years right. after he gets drafted. Right, and you're also looking at, I mean, some of the guys you mentioned are guys that in mock drafts I've looked at recently are mm-hmm. guys that most people expect to be available at 8 to 10 or 12. So Dallas is even in a position where if, if they don't have someone that they're that in love with, at that higher, they have they're in, they like someone that they feel they can get a couple spots later. They're even in a position where they could trade down to add another, uh, maybe a, an another second round pick, and you trade down five or six spots to get a guy that you would have taken anyway at three. Or look at this hypothetical too. You have the opportunity where you can float that pick around. You can float that third pick around available on draft day, and say you get a team like Colorado, who Colorado did not get a top three pick. With how bad they were, they did not get a top three pick. Yeah, but they're still going to be four. I, I, I know, but, but, but say you float that pick around, and Colorado has a guy they really want at three. Uh, that, so basically what he, what, Cle- or what, what, 40, what the 49ers did with the second overall pick yesterday, or exactly, two days Exactly, in the ago. NFL draft. Yeah, what, the, what, what happened in the NFL draft, where the 49ers took a position of value and convinced the team one behind them to move up because they were convinced somebody else was going to buy that pick. And jump ahead of them. Yeah, you tell you go out, you're Jim Hill, and you tell Colorado, then you say, "Hey, I got five teams knocking on my door to get this pick, and they're going to take the guy you want." So let's hmm. let's talk. I mean, so you're you're in a great spot to trade back, get more picks, or make that pick. I mean, it's a it's a good spot for for the stars. It is a, and I actually I love the intrigue. Obviously, I think I, I would have. You would have loved to add a Nolan Patrick or a Nico Heischer to your to your prospect pool, but I love the entry just from a perspective of we could go so many different ways with this, and I can make pros and cons for so many different guys. And we've only known where they were going to pick for about twenty five minutes now, and I haven't even been able to dive into all of and, and do my draft guide yet. But I'm excited. I'm more excited to do it than I, than I was last year because all of a sudden there is a opportunity to add a impact player that guy that should be an impact player in the nhl and i'm not even gonna i know we're talking about now trading down and i'm not even gonna sit here and advocate for that as Mm -hmm. potentially beneficial as i think something like that could be i would rather they just make the pick just because i think it'd be cool to see that happen but Mm -hmm. it's it's so incredible to think about because you talk about, and that's an, this is another reason why I would rather have the third pick than one two. Because you mentioned taking best available. If you're drafting one two, it, even if you don't need a center, you're taking one of those guys. You have to. Yeah, and at three, you have, it, you, you have the optics don't work to not take one of those guys. You have to take one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, and if you're sitting here, and I, it seems, I based on everything. Granted, it hasn't been. I haven't been doing significant research on this, but everything that I've read so far about this draft is the gap between players three and like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 isn't significantly huge. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a guy that you like and you are convinced that he's going to be the best available or the best player that you can take at that position and you think that you can get him at six, seven, eight or whatever, why not move down? 
So I just, it's going to be fun to watch. I, this is because, you know, you get one of the top two picks and you're like, oh, this is exciting. We're going to add so-and-so or so-and-so. But now we're sitting here like, we're, it's going to be a top three pick or they're going to do this or they're going to do that. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be fun. No, and it's going to, I mean, it makes that weekend in Chicago way more exciting because obviously we've always, them having a top 10 pick would have been something we would have looked forward to and we obviously would have broke it down. But now there's an opportunity for them to be a real player at the draft, whether it's them holding pad on that pick or, or making a trade. I, it's, it's, it adds a lot of intrigue to that weekend. And, uh, I'm looking forward to it now. Yeah. Especially if Anaheim can get their crap together and you are talking about the stars, then having another pick down at 26, 27, 28 or whatever. Yeah, that would be, uh, now I don't know if it's, Edmonton's obviously up 2-0 in that series, so it's not looking good for the status of that draft pick, but yeah, if, if Anaheim can put it together, if, I mean, I don't, I don't think Anaheim's down and out, that's the thing, I think, I know a couple people said, I saw a couple musings that being down 2-0 means everything, but I, I don't know, until Edmonton, and I, I have full faith in Connor McDavid as a player, but until I see Edmonton close it out and, and do it themselves. I'm still going to have faith. It's it's still Anaheim wins tomorrow. It's still a, uh, they could, they could easily tie this series back up and it turns into a best of three with them having two of three at home. Right. Exactly. And they've been good games to watch. I don't like, I hate that they start so late, but <coughs> that's yeah a personal complaint more than anything. So I had this thought when I was looking at it, with with literally three teams um, moving into the top three who were not in the top three before, because New Jersey would have been fifth, Dallas would have been eighth, and uh, Philly would have been twelfth or thirteenth. I think it was thirteenth. Um, we're looking at did the draft lottery work this year? And by that, am I saying like did it work? As in, is this the type of draft lottery you need to stop teams from tanking? Yes. Because if someone tanked this yes. year, yes, yes, and I get it would be. God, could you imagine if this happened the year of McDavid and Eichel? Holy crap, there would have been... People would be rioting in the streets right now. Still, they'd still be rioting in the streets today. Yeah, and it's not its not that... Obviously, it's a big deal because, I mean, you're talking about moving up the way that New Jersey and Philly did. That's obviously a huge deal. It, it becomes less of a big deal because we're not talking. I mean, it's even even if it happened last year, there'd be people who'd be rioting in the streets because Austin Matthews mm-hmm. and Line A were obviously we all saw it the years they had this year. Those are two potentially franchise altering players. Mm-hmm. And but I just I feel like it's not people aren't going to make as big of a deal out of it this year because it's like oh well, these are guys that are going to be really good centers in the NHL but not necessarily a guy who's going to come out and score 40 goals his first year or anything like that. But yeah, I think I love it. I think it, it adds a whole, a whole, um, a lot of intrigue to the end of the season. It's not just, you know, boilerplate like the NFL where it's like, Oh, well they have the worst record. So they're going to pick first and blah, blah, blah. It obviously, I mean, the way that we're seeing it this year is that three te- the teams with the three best odds are not picking in the top three. So is it going to be a deterrent to stop tanking in the future? Probably not, but at least it's something, I guess you could say. Well, I mean, I think the way we need to look at it is you take a look at Colorado, and we talk about the the drop-off in this draft. Colorado goes from, you have to imagine Colorado went into this weekend thinking they were going to get one or two, and in their mind, 
I mean, Nolan Patrick or Heischer, either one of them, they would make Colorado better next year. That's how bad that team was. Colorado was terrible. Now, Colorado wasn't tanking, but either one of those players would still make Colorado better. Now, Colorado's drafting in a position where they may not be drafting a player that can play next year. And that and that's and that's it's not and I, I know Colorado's taking the brunt of the uh, the brunt of the burden or whatever. I'm using wrong words here right now, I realize, but Colorado is is serving a hard lesson that it would have been lovely to see Edmonton or Buffalo get dealt when they were trying to tank. Right, exactly. And I, I could I could kind of make a case case though that Colorado doesn't really need another center yes if you play if you play that right you have you already have two really good top six centers and you kind of need a defenseman but for whatever reason they're trying to trade Matt Duchesne so I don't know I'd I'd argue if they won the draft lottery Matt Duchesne would have been moved that's what I think that's true so maybe this change completely changes that trade market now too well that was (laughs) going down hypothetical and I find I saw where you got the where you sent me the the Tyler Sagan for Carey Price thing, and I well, saw where was, you got it. Was... From. I saw where you got it from, and it, I kind of laughed because Ken Campbell's kind of a moron. But well, I mean, at, at where I got it from, or what I was ripping into that. That I think I think that's the better way to put it. I mean, that was never. I think the most hilarious thing about that Sagan for Price thing was that actual people people were actually reported it as a rumor that. T- yeah, it was just amusing. Here, I mean, it was just because it was it was a hockey writer. Who has been known to throw? Who has been who throw? Who likes to throw out things like that? Threw something out there, and all of a sudden, couple because all of a sudden now in the NHL world we live in, for better or for worse, we have six or seven sites that will take everything someone tweets, and it becomes a rumor or something like that. And all of a sudden, it became there's people who legitimately thought Carey Price and Tyler Sagan were um, actually going to be dealt for each other. I thought that came and went with Eklund like 10 years 10 15 years ago but whatever but anyway my point to you was if the stars move up to one or two and you're in a position where you take a center mm-hmm. it almost becomes something where hey maybe this isn't such a crazy idea anymore obviously it's still a pretty crazy idea and no it's not happening and I don't want it to happen because yeah. obviously you already have a top line center who's 24 years old and who's already established himself in the NHL as opposed to a guy who's potentially going to be there and blah, 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 whatever. That's like trading a top line center to get a top line goalie for this team would be like trying to fix a hand infection by cutting your entire arm off. So, mm-hmm. but it's, it's it, but basically this plays into Colorado situation now where you go from, Hey, you're going to suck next year. Anyway, why not? You're going to, and now we're going to take, Dolan Patrick or Nico Hischer, who we can play as our second-line center, so let's trade Matt Duchesne to help us elsewhere. And now you're sitting there, and you're like, well, crap, we're picking fourth overall now, so we're not going to get that center. Who mm-hmm. Now they're probably, they could potentially even be drafting a guy who's not even going to make their team next year. Very so, much so. So now you're it completely, this completely changes what the direction that Colorado takes in its offseason, I feel. I mean, maybe they still trade Duchesne, and they just decide to completely start, grab it over over the next two, three years, which I feel like sucks for Nathan McKinnon and Gabe Landeskog and the good young players they have right now, but... they And they do have some good young players. They really do. <laughs> yeah, they have... Landis, well, Landeskog has been just progressive, at least from a point perspective. He's progressively gotten worse since his second year in the league. 
Like I think he, he barely he barely fair. broke he barely broke fifty points this year. And granted, that team is garbage, but still. But I mean, you got him, Rantanen, Duchesne, McKinnon. I don't know why I couldn't think of his name for a second. Uh, I mean, they have good other like they just signed. I mean, not that Carl Soderberg's a great player, but I mean, he's another good player. You have Tyson Bari, Eric Johnson. They're good players. Semyon Varlamov mm-hmm. before he got hurt was a pretty good goalie too. So. I don't know, speaking man. Of, speaking of Avalanche goalies, if the reports are true that the Avalanche will protect Varlamov, do you think Calvin Pickard is worth a flyer? For a trade? Yes. Um, how old is he? I actually don't know how old he is. Hold on. I, I think he's 25, 26 at most. I might be even overestimating that. I, yeah, I don't see why. I mean... I at this point in the game, I don't think that there's a bad flyer you could make because they just That's need true. something. No, they need something. I mean, I mean, I I don't think Calvin Pickard's the goalie who you say this is our goal. This is our guy with Kari Let- Kari But if you're going to, if you say okay, we're going to go with we're going to buy out both Niemi and Lattinen, and I don't know if they'll do that or not, and I don't think they will. But say they did. Calvin Pickard's not a bad guy to play 35 games and goalie, no, it, a, and goalie A, who, whoever that may be, and it's obviously right. not going. It's probably not going to be Scott Darling now. Yeah, um, we can we'll play talk about that. A, talk about that in a second. But he's a guy. I mean, obviously his numbers with Colorado this year weren't good, but that's he still had a 904 save percent with that team, which I guess is pretty decent. But he had uh, in 20 games last year he had. A, Two five six goals against and a nine twenty two save percent. So I mean, obviously he's just turned twenty five. So I mean, yeah, I if you buy them both out, especially because you're going to be one. I feel like if they did, I don't think they will. But if they did buy mm-hmm. out both in the Emmy and Letton, and then you're not going to sign Ben Bishop because then you're still going to be paying a third yeah. of. You're still going to be paying three million dollars towards your go- your goalies in terms of dead cap money. So you're not going to be looking to add the seven million or whatever Ben Bishop's going to end up getting on the open market plus your backup goalie. So I could yeah. see, I could see that. Yeah, it wouldn't be a bad move. Yeah, and Pickers always played behind terrible teams. When he was in the AHL, I watched him in person quite a few times play behind a terrible San Antonio Rampage team. And he's a guy who I think his numbers took a hit this year, but he was also one of the worst non-tanking teams in the last thirty years. Maybe one of the worst right. non-tanking teams. Yes. In, maybe one of the worst non-tanking teams in NHL modern era history. You could argue. Yes. Um. um and. He, his numbers took a hit, but they still weren't. He actually played well. Um, so he's a guy I would definitely, if Colorado is going to protect Varlamov, um, which is odd to me because I don't see why Vegas would take Varlamov just because I don't know why Vegas would take an older, injured history goalie um, when they uh, when they're so when, with what are the other options will be. But that's, that's, that's I don't want to get into a Colorado Avalanche podcast, but that's just a... Uh, but if, why can't if, I think uh, of the sa- why can't I think of the salary cap website? It's not it's not general cap manager. Cap. It's Thank cap you. cap friendly. Okay, continue on your rant. But it's I'm, I'm saying, and this is not an Avalanche podcast, but why would the Avalanche leave Picker exposed when you protect him? You leave Vlarmov exposed, who has a very high contract, very high salary cap hit, and a guy who. When, with the other options Vegas has, I don't know why they'd take him. And so it just seems to me, Colorado, unless they've gotten indications and George McPhee has said, you know what, I'm taking Varlamov if he's available. And maybe he has. 
But I don't see why they why Colorado would do that. But well, to get McPhee, back to McPhee did draft Varlamov, but he, he has he has no protection. So I mean, maybe they do protect Pickard and maybe and hope that McPhee does take Varlamov because that would obviously take six million off their hands. But maybe maybe. But I've seen reports that say they're going to protect Varlamov and. From uh, I think Adrian Dater was the one who reported it, who has actually has a pretty good track record in Colorado. I was say, he's there. pretty he's pretty plugged in there. So yeah, yeah. So and so, but it's one of those where so if that is in fact the case, it's something where I think he's a very good and and, and I don't like the one and I know people talk about the one A one B. It's kind of like we talked we talked about with starting. It's like starting quarterbacks. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. If you have two goalies, you don't have a goalie. Well, Dallas Dallas situation. You don't need a 1A, 1B, 41, 41 split, but you do need a 1A, 1B, 50. You do, do need a 1A, 1B, 55, 30, 55, 28, I think is the exact math there, split just with the nature of the schedule, with this, with the travel schedule Dallas has. Yeah, I agree with that. And he's uh, Pickard signed next year for $1 million. So that would be a good, it mm-hmm. would be a good, him or, him or Grubauer, I think I'd be okay with either of those guys. Those would be yeah. good good low cost and not like low cost but i mean i feel like say for example anaheim doesn't make it to mm-hmm. the the stanley cup finals you take that second round pick then and you trade it to colorado for calvin pickard or maybe a third round pick yeah. i don't know what the going rate for a backup potentially well, starting goaltender well the market is a third round it, pick for a guy who's a pending unrestricted free agent as it turns out yeah, so let's let's talk about Scott Darling here. So Scott Darling obviously was traded. Um, his Scott Darling wasn't traded. I know I know technically the release to say Scott Darling was traded, but Scott Darling's rights were traded to Carolina uh, yesterday um, by the Chicago Blackhawks for a third round pick. And you know what? It's a really good move by Chicago because Chicago was not going to. He wasn't going to be back in Chicago. There was no way he was going to be back in Chicago. Just for the fact of the matter is a Corey Crawford, b salary cap. There was no way that Scott Darling would be back in Chicago. So you had Chicago made a really nice move by acquiring a third round pick for a guy they weren't they were going to get nothing for. Now um, the Hurricanes have two months roughly, no, a little bit longer than that. May, June, May, June, yeah, a little a little over two months to work out a deal with with Darling where they have exclusive negotiating rights and. It's a spot that I know when it first was, I, I know even yesterday um, the Hurricanes had yet to speak to Darling or his agent, but that's actually normal because they can't talk to a player that they, that is not their property at the time. So that's actually normal. Um, but with two months there, I and I look at that Carolina team, I just have a gut that Darling ends up staying in Carolina. Um, and even if he doesn't end up staying in Carolina, you can't count on him as a plan you're going to go after in the offseason because if you do that and he signs with Carolina, you're screwed. Right, exactly. I I love the guy who tweeted at you asking if Chicago's playoff run made it more likely that Darling was going to come out just because it was so funny to me. Just, I mean, granted, I've also been paying attention to the Blackhawks cap situation for the last five days now, and yeah, that just that made me laugh. That I'm kind of bummed because I really liked my little alternate universe theory that I came up with with them trading Corey Crawford instead of Scott Darling, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they uh, Chicago has $3 million in in cap space already. Or project, they're projected to have $2.8 million in cap space right now, and they only have, they already have, they have 20 guys signed right now, so they're kind of in trouble. A, do you know anything about how the NBA cap works? No. 
So it's I don't I don't know a ton, and I know someone's going to call me out for being wrong on this. But so the NBA has a thing, and, and there's an NBA where you can have veterans can sign for something called a veteran uh, minimum or a mid-level exception, where a guy can sign for money because it, it's not a hard cap in the NBA; it's a soft cap. So you can sign for certain you can a guy can sign for a certain amount, and you can actually go over the cap by signing a veteran for the minimum or sign a guy for a mid-level contract and well, use you it to can, pay off. I think you can go over to sign your own guys too, can't you? In the NBA, you can, yeah. Okay. And so, and so, I have a, I have a, I have a friend who lives back in Cleveland who is, was just, and he's not a hockey, he's not a hockey guy, but so he was just, he was uh, randomly looking at the, uh, when he does pay attention to hockey, he watches the Blue Jackets, and so when we were, we were, I was talking, texting him the other day about uh, the, the cap situation, and we ended up talking about Chicago, and he, and he made the point saying like. Well, if this was the NBA, the Chicago Blackhawks could just sign their own guys to a bunch of guys, and just they would just pay a bunch of luxury tax. Yeah, that's big. That's pretty much exactly it. Because that, that's how, and I know, I know someone can correct me and give me the into the full minutia of the details, and I don't really care about the full minutia of the details. The NHL has a hard cap, so that's where the real world we live by. Well, um, a hardish cap. Hardish. That's true. That's true. There's no well, cap that's in the where, playoffs. Well, that's where. Um, well, no cap in the playoffs, and that's where Chicago's going to end up getting screwed even worse because Panarin hit his uh, his two million dollar bonus for top ten in points or and mm-hmm. or goals or something like that. So yes, if so, those basically if you go over the cap due to bonuses, then that comes off of next year's cap. Yes, and that's where Chicago's going to end up getting screwed is bonus overages. It's, I mean, Chicago's offseason, and once again, we continue to talk about teams other than Dallas. We've talked about Dallas, but we've uh, we continue to talk about other teams just because it's interesting. Chicago's offseason is going to be fascinating because they're in the same spot where they're going to have to make another move. They have to make a move to lose cap space, but the problem is so many of their guys have no movement clauses, and they are so handcuffed for the expansion draft because I think... There's only one player that they only have one player left they can pick to protect, right? I think if if I remember that correctly. Um, basic. Hold on. It's how does remind me? It's five forwards, three defensemen, one goalie, or four. No, no. It's it's uh it's it's seven. It, it, it's seven three one. Uh-huh. It's, it's it's seven three one or or eight and one goalie, whatever combination. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, because they have. They have three defensemen on no moves. You have Seabrook, mm-hmm. Keith, Yalmerson. Then Kane, Taves, Hosa, and Isamov have no moves up front. And I think the the assumption is that they're going to protect Panarin because they just signed him to a fat extension. Yes, yes. and yeah, those are and that's him. all of those are their big money guys. They're mm-hmm. other, the only other defensemen they have making over a mil on the cap are unrestricted this off season. And then mm-hmm. so basically Chicago is so it's not even like you know. I'm sure Stan Bowman would love to expose Marion Hosa and say, "Hey, George, take him, take him off mm-hmm. our hands." But the, unless I don't know if there's a I, the NHL has outlined a protocol where teams can ask players to waive no move clauses to be exposed in the expansion draft. But I'm not sure why a guy like Marion at Marion Hosa's age, 38 years old, would agree to go to an expansion team just at this stage in his career. But yeah, so it's not even a situation where you can, where LA, I'm pretty sure LA can expose Dustin Brown. I don't, I guess I'll pull it up, but this for Chicago, it's not even a situation where they can expose mm-hmm. one of their, I mean, they, I think, I think the consensus is that they're going to end up losing Marcus Kruger, who's making 3 million against the cap, which would help them a little bit, but 
yeah, it's not a situ. They're not in a situation where they can just un- leave a couple guys unprotected. They're pretty much already locked into who they have to protect for the most part. Yeah. For the most oh, part, it, it's really interesting for Colorado. I mean, uh, yeah, Dustin sure, Brown only. Had, yeah. Dustin Brown only has a modified no trade, so that's because that's what people were have been thinking that, mm-hmm. or, or they're. I guess it was talking with Dean Lombardi, which it's not Dean Lombardi. It's Rob Blake now where he's going to leave Dustin Brown exposed and be like, hey, George, toss you third-round pick to take him. Yeah. it's uh, and, and, that, and those deals are allowed, people. I, I know someone asked me on Twitter, and they and it's actually it's, it's a very fair question. Those deals are allowed um, where teams can make deals with Vegas. Um, I had a good conversation with Jim Nill right after they hired Ken Hitchcock where where Jim Jim Nill mentioned how George McPhee is the most popular guy in the NHL right now since every single GM is trying to figure out what he's going to do. Everyone's Because Jim, I mean, pun completely intended, Vegas holds all the cards right now. And he is in a spot where you can trade. And we, we've floated this idea out before, and I think it's a good idea, taking that extra pick you got from Chicago to say, you know what, we're going to protect an extra defenseman. Just things like that. Deals like that are going to happen, and it's going to be really interesting to see how much Vegas can really stockpile. I mean, and I mean, Vegas, Vegas could have 15 picks, and I'm exaggerating. Maybe I'm not exaggerating. Vegas could have 15 picks in the draft by the time we get to the I, end of June. I don't think you're exaggerating, and it's like you can sit there and you could say, well, why would George McPhee accept a fourth-round pick to not select a guy like Jamie Alexiak, who was a former first-round pick? Well, when you're in the situation that Vegas is in, is you're, I mean, you're obviously you're building from the ground up, and you have literally no prospect pool right now and you would kind of like to stock a prospect pool of guys who mm-hmm. aren't just undrafted free agents mm-hmm. like no and, disrespect to reed duke but he's the if you don't know who reed duke is the only guy that they've signed to a contract so far but you mm-hmm. don't want to stock your prospect pool with guys like that because then when these guys you're going to be playing with guys who are borderline nhlers at best well and you're going to end up with uh, and especially when it's one thing to if you're if you're Vegas, you're picking sixth now, um, and so Vegas, and those are good players, but you're looking at maybe you're not looking at the impact player that Vegas was hoping they might have been able to get in their first draft from the from the top. Um, so that that's another obviously thing to consider. The other thing too is with with Vegas, and we've discussed it before. They only need 23 NHL players, so he's gonna take the opportunity to. So basically, he's going to pick a 20... He's got to pick... The Vegas, the Golden Knights have to pick a team that can compete, and there's going to be some expendable pieces that are that are only going to be part of the two-year plan in Vegas. You think that's fair to say? A couple guys who are going to pick... Oh, yeah, for gonna, sure. I mean, yeah, you're, gonna, look, you're looking at... They could theoretically pick the best five... Like, the best five goalies available to them and just control the goalie market for the entire offseason if they really wanted yes. to. It's... So it's no, it's it's it's, it's going to be interesting with, with what happens with Vegas and how things shake out there. Um, it's, I mean, Dallas now. The other thing, and and Dallas is in a spot here too where there this doesn't help necessarily for next season by winning by winning into third because the Dallas actually did win to get into third. I find it hilarious. I've seen a couple teams tweeting lately, just and this is team PR, like teams tweeting about how they won the fourth spot in the draft lottery. They won the fifth spot in the draft lottery. Those teams didn't win those spots. Dallas actually won its spot in the third. That's actually a nice jump for Dallas. This is a nice cookie for Stars fans after the season they endured. 
And it doesn't help necessarily in making Dallas a Stanley Cup contender next year. What I mean, now if Dallas is a Stanley Cup contender next year, it doesn't have anything to do with who they draft third. However, it does just add to their system and adds to the amount of things in the tool belt and the amount of things the stars have that maybe makes something else expendable, maybe makes something else a little bit easier to move because you know who you're going to get at, th- at three or things like that that make it uh, that make life a little bit easier for stars management. Right, and we've talked a couple times this year about how this is a farm system that's kind of missing, other than Julius Honka and maybe Denis Gurionov, is that's truly missing a game-breaking talent that's currently at the AHL level. So mm-hmm. this is a potential opportunity to add a guy, a true blue-chip guy that, as we've kind of touched on, that hasn't really existed in the Dallas era. I mean, I guess you have you count Nachuskin in that, mm-hmm. but that it's it's totally unfamiliar territory for most stars fans right now it's kind of funny to think about just because i'm looking at some i'm looking at some of the draft rankings and i see the players ages we're reaching that we've reached the draft age the draft year where the next two years where players won't be able to wear their draft year because 99 is obviously retired they won't be able to wear their birth year as as their number 99 is obviously retired and uh Double zero is not allowed to be weared in the allowed to be worn in the NHL. So. Yeah, and then you're gonna have a whole a whole we're gonna have a whole long period of that because obviously you're not gonna go zero one or zero yeah, two. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got. I mean, McDavid will be McDavid's ninety seven. Um, what PR, uh, PRV does he wear ninety eight? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he wears ninety eight. So, so maybe he'll be amongst the last to wear their birth year amongst their uh, their draft age. But I don't know. I, I still have to, and as I said, I've, I still have to go through and make. A, I still have to go through and break down the draft, and this is not. It's not a good chance to break it down. But I, I look at Dallas now, and I look at either the Finnish kid and in, in, in Miro Heiskanen, and I look at Owen Tippett, the right wing from uh, from the the Steelheads in the OHL. Those are the two guys in my mind right now that I'd be pretty happy with either of those guys. And I, I mean, that's that's kind of. It's a nice spot where. If they pick one or the other, if I'm a Stars fan, I'm not upset with either pick. That's just kind. No, it, it's kind. No, that's a nice. That's a nice, nice spot to be. Right, and you're, you're, you've, you're now in a, you're, they're in a position where they are going to get their first shot at the best of the rest. So it's truly, it's not something. I mean, like you've seen it in drafts past, where he's, Team X is picking number one overall, mm-hmm. and they really need a defenseman. But oh, John Tavares is the best player available. Are you really going to skip? John Tavares to pick a defenseman who still might be good, but he's not going to be the best player available in this draft. And now Dallas is in a position where they get their first crack. They get to pick first among guys who you don't, you're not technically supposed to pick is a really idiotic way to phrase that. But they, it's basically the first pick, the first do whatever you want pick. That's not kind of predetermined, I guess. Look at it this way. I mean, look at it this way. The Stars will get the best non-center in the draft. Yeah, there you go. Because that's, I mean, the two first two guys are going to go to be center. And you know what? Maybe the Stars could take a center third overall. Who knows? They could. They could do. They could do whatever. Um, I, I know someone had asked me asked me if uh, if there's worry about being drafting a center and logjam and having Spezza and Sagan and Foxa. Well, I, I think moral of the story is if you do take a center that's not the end of the world because we know Jason Spezza's future with this team can't last longer than two or three years anyway <laughs> so yeah his unless he just completely doesn't 
slow down as a player. Uh, he's, I feel like the duration of this contract he's on is about what his tenure is with the Stars. And at three, you're going to be drafting a, a center. If they do choose to pick a center, they're drafting a guy who's not necessarily going to be NHL ready, I yes. feel like. It, odds are saying that he would not be a guy who'd be NHL ready at least until next year. But then mm-hmm. you're also in a position where you don't have to rush him into the lineup. Very much so. And, I mean, the main thing, and we can just harp on hark on this and make sure that uh, the Stars will not be picking a goalie at three. And I know no one was expecting that and no one was worried about that, but I will just, just make sure it's on the record that, just to say it out there, the Stars will not be picking a goalie at three. Okay, this is my best case. Okay. Is, uh, I wasn't even thinking, this was me thinking before when I was just assuming Dallas was going to pick 8th or ninth or 10th or whatever. Mm-hmm. My best case was Anaheim gets to the conference finals or whatever and Jake Ottinger ends up falling to him. That yeah, would be yeah. a best of both. And now if starts, if you can potentially address two huge needs in one in the first round right now, if you pick a defenseman and if Anaheim gets to the conference finals and you get that second first round pick and then you take a goalie with it why not i mean it's not like this is 2011 when you or 2010 or whatever it is when you take jack campbell number 11 overall you already got you already had your home run pick now you're mm-hmm. kind of just trying to well you're okay you already hit your double now you're just trying to swing for the fences well it's, it's like the jason dickinson draft pick a lot of people forget jason dickinson not people people don't forget jason dickinson as a first round pick but there's less pressure collectively on Jason Dickinson since he was taken 16 picks after Julius Honka. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, yeah, it's just he's not looked at a guy who's sorry. Was he taken? Was he taken in the in the Nachushkin draft or the or the uh, Honka? That draft? was the I think that was the Nachushkin draft. Nachushkin draft. Yeah, I think that was the Nachushkin draft. Yeah, sorry, the Nachushkin draft. <laughs> either, either way, he's taken 15 picks after Nachushkin in the trade that they made with uh, Boston for Yager. And I mean, having that extra pick at the end of the set first round, that's a nice little, I mean, now obviously we need, you, the Stars need Anaheim to go through and take care of business against Edmonton now, and that's going to be a bit of a stretch right now, just being down 0-2 in the series, but it's something that, uh, man, talk about value, you should have never expected from Patrick Eves. I, I just can't get that out of my head. Do we, we circle no back kidding. to the, no circle back to the value that Patrick Eves is a, key offensive contributor for a team a final four team in the western conference when no one would have (laughs) if i had told you that before the season you would have you would have tried to take away my my all of my credentials as an nhl writer because that would be in the loony bin exactly but just let's just let's just acknowledge this right now is we've i feel like the last two or three podcasts we've kind of not gone after Jim, no, but we've kind of been like, okay, what's going on here? But how frick, how freaking smart is he going to look? Is he going to look if this Eves trade ends up being a first round pick? Because you're ending up, you're we're sitting here, and I'm hypothetically based just off of nothing but my experience of idiotic stars trades of past. Sitting here thinking, man, this bozo is going to go, is going to try and go all in to make the playoffs, and it's not going to work out. And he ends up potentially getting a first round pick for a guy that I don't think we ever would have gotten. Mm-hmm. you would have ever thought would have been worth a first-round pick. And his decision to not necessarily rebuild, but to not mortgage the future just for a quick playoff fix leads to a top-three draft pick. Well, what yeah, a freaking turn of events that was. 
No, and, and, and we've held, in, in recent podcasts, we've pointed out and we've held Jim Neal responsible for some of the things that have gone wrong and some of the things like this. And you, you know what? If things work out that work out well and they get that pick and and they end up put piecing together a strong offseason, like they've already they've already taken the, the right steps so far in the offseason. If Ken Hitchcock really is old Ken Hitchcock who has learned new tricks, it's a great hire. And we've talked about that before. If they've got the third round pick, they've got the third overall third overall pick, sorry. They've got the third overall pick. That's a bit of luck, but you know what? That's a uh, that's a move in the right direction. And now, if they can, if they can make the right move and take advantage of to short to add that defenseman and fix the goaltending, you're looking at a team that now you got to hope there's a couple injury factors. Obviously, we haven't even mentioned Tyler Sagan's offseason shoulder surgery he had the other day, but um, you're looking at a team that if I just look at it on paper, and I know that's dangerous, all of a sudden, with a goaltender and a defense, and, and you add one maybe one more piece to this defense, it becomes a pretty damn good team. Right, exactly, and it's just obviously we have no idea what they're going to do yet because you can go a lot of different ways. But I'm just that's that's the this is this off season has started about as well as Stars fans could have expected, mm-hmm. and if Anaheim can come back, it would get that much better. Again, I mean, it's, never it's, thought it's, I'd say that in my entire life. Very much so. Well. And then speaking of former stars, Matt Niskanen just tied the game for the Capitals at 1-1. I really uh, needed Marc-Andre Fleury to get a shutout tonight. Do you think, uh, how do you think, I'm not, not in relation to the stars. I'm just curious, what do you think? Do you think the Penguins overly value what Fleury does in the playoffs and make a stupid decision on Murray? I hope so. <laughs> I would take I would take Matt Murray over Mark oh, yes. Andre Fleury one hundred times out of a hundred. But I mean, he's not. Well, he's not even been Fleury's really not even been. He's had his mo. I mean, it's been typical Mark Andre Fleury where he has his, has moments where he looks like the best goalie on the planet, but they're counteracted by quite a few. Like that goal, right? I, I mean, it's a one timer in the at the bottom of the left circle. I mean, but from that, you got to. There's just too many goals that this dude allows that you look at. You're like, how did that go in the net? Well, and, and, and like he was, I mean, for example, what was it was a sequence in uh, it was a game one against Washington where he made that made a had a wonderful sequence of saves of, against late in that game to uh, a game one against Washington, and, and those were types of moments where the Stars goalies don't make those saves, just frankly, but. If you brought a guy like Fleury into Dallas, I still can't get over the fact of his salary, his age, and his durability, plus his reliability and what would be and what he what he would still the fact of what he'd be able to actually achieve in Dallas because he plays obviously behind a much better defense and a much better system in Pittsburgh, and Fleury I think would have been exposed a little bit in Dallas and he still might be if he ends up in Dallas here next year. Um, when that's you talk about durability, that's a big old red flag with Matt Murray now too, because he missed yeah. the start of this season with injuries, hurt again, and that's the reason they didn't trade Flurry in the first place was in case Matt Murray got hurt. No, but so. and, and good and good on Pittsburgh for holding on to Flurry for now. Like I mean, and this if, if it wasn't for the expansion draft, it would be like there would be there would be a non-issue at all. They'd be like, oh, there, there would have been no thought of them trading him at all. But good on Pittsburgh on waiting it out because otherwise. 
who would be their starting goalie in the playoffs right now? Would it be Tristan Jerry? I don't I don't know who's because Jeff Zakoff obviously is somewhere in King's yeah, system think, now. Uh, yeah, I think Jerry's been dressing as their backup, so I'm assuming that's who. And I think he, I mean, he was supposed to be their guy of the future because I think he got selected a round or two before they selected Murray. Mm-hmm. Not the same draft, but. Yeah. yeah. But he was a higher pick, I think. It, 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 yeah, I think Jerry was a. Is he a first round pick? I don't know. Hold on, I'm going to find this out. I can find this out. Uh, balls. I can't spell. How do you spell Tristan? I found Never mind. I, I couldn't figure out how to spell Tristan. What a, I'm having a rough brain day. I still can't spell Tristan. Dumbass. I, this is, I don't know what I'm talking about right now. I'm trying to figure out how to spell Tristan. It's not, I mean, it's not, he was the 44th overall pick in 2013. So 14th pick of, so 14th pick of the second round. Yes. 14th pick in the second round. And I think some people kind of questioned that a little bit. I think they they thought that was a bit of a reach. Uh, Matt Murray was taken the year before at 83 overall. Okay. Makes sense. So, yeah, no, Jerry the, Jerry had higher expectations when drafted, so that's a fair way to put it. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's wrap this up with, uh, and, and we'll talk way more about the draft and as we get to the expansion and everything like that, but if you're Dallas right now and you start to look at it, do you agree with me? Do you look at Heiskanen versus Tippett, or do you? I mean, just closing thoughts here. I'll take let you take your closing thoughts on uh, on where on how to how to look at this. And I know we neither of us have broken down or looked at these players in depth yet. And and because I was planning on trying to break down who would be available at eight or nine, and all of a sudden now I get to look at who's available, who's available after the first two. But as you your closing thoughts on this. I think what you need to do first is you need to identify the posi- what position you want. If you feel like you need a scoring winger, then I think you're, or if you, well, let's just, let's break it down a little more macroly than that. If you feel that you need to add to your forward group, then I think your conversation starts at Owen Tippett. Mm-hmm. However, if you are targeting defense, which I think is what this team needs to do, I legitimately think they need to go. As, as enticing of a skill set as Owen Tippett has, I just – I because you still got to think Val's still in the system, and you're going to get him yeah. back eventually. So that – I feel like a, the scoring winger is a bit less of an issue right now. Mm-hmm. And obviously you still have Honka, you still have Klingberg, but I, this is a, a chance for you to add a truly game-breaking defenseman. I think you, you got to start by figuring out what position you need and then go from there. I – I think the consent, the, the, the growing, it's not even a consensus, but the growing feeling that I've seen lately is that Heiskanen has climbed up a lot of draft boards. I, for whatever reason, I, I, and like you said, we haven't really broken this down yet. Yeah. And I haven't gotten too deep into it yet, but stuff that I've read on Tim Lilligren, the Swede, the Swedish kid has been very positive and he obviously missed a lot of time this year with injury. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit of a risk factor there, but I, and granted the people throw comparisons around, just mm-hmm. to throw comparisons around, but I've seen his game compared to a guy like Eric Carlson, and that's very intoxicating to think about. And obviously comparing anyone to Eric Carlson is going to set you up for disappointment because very few people ever reach that type of yeah. elite that Eric Carlson is. I But you, I think you have to start by, think, by figuring out what position you want to go with and then go from there and just kind of 
focus on that and instead of just trying to be like, well, we like Owen Tippett, we like Heiskanen, we like, you know, Yuso Valamaki or whatever like that and you're just kind of spread I think you're kind of spreading yourself a little thin there you gotta I think you gotta start by figuring out the position and then kind of go from figuring out the player after that I'll end it with this I think if if you're gonna go forward if you're gonna go forward you may go tip I think you look at Owen Tippett if you're gonna go D basically you kind of have to make your decision on Heiskanen versus Lilgren uh Lilgren however however and I'll, I'll I'll I promise I'll learn how to pronounce that um Lilgren who's a guy who came in with higher expectations has somewhat maintained that and, and been up there versus Heiskanen who was a fast riser this year and has moved up quite a people's draft boards um so you're looking at either a, I mean, really, you're looking at the draft this year, and you're looking at them going a Canadian, you're going a right winger out of the OHL, or you're going a Swede or a Finn on defense. And that's that's that, that's that's how I'm going to end my closing thoughts today. And either way, you know what? It's exciting because whoever they bring in, Whichever those three guys, or if it could be another guy, if you decide if another guy jumps into there or becomes that pick, you have a guy. You're drafting a guy this year who instantly becomes one of your top prospects, and that's not mm-hmm. something you get to do mm-hmm. every year. Yeah, and this is where the scouting department is truly going to earn their money because every mock draft I've seen, I swear to God, has been different with who, which, mm-hmm. def- what, how the defensemen come off the board in terms of the order. So. It's going to be, if you if defense is the way they choose to go, they are going to have, not their work cut out for them, but they're definitely going to have a big decision to make in terms of how they're evaluating these guys and how they're going to get it right. Yep, well, it's certainly going to be interesting. We will, uh, I guess we'll talk more on the next, we'll record the next podcast on the next big moment for the Stars in the offseason, whether that's a... Uh, a trade, because who knows? Trades could happen any time now. The Blackhawks and Hurricanes have opened the market already for off-season trades. Or, um, I think something will happen before expansion protection day. But either way, we'll talk soon enough. Everyone, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk. We'll talk again soon.